This week on the Sports Initiative podcast, I sit down with CEO at Adamus Esports Training and Performance, Caleb Cousins. He discusses the growth of esports and why it may challenge traditional sports in the future, the workload for those involved in the industry and the current culture they perform in, as well as projections for the future and the increased professionalisation of the esports arena. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you share it with friends and family. I hope you enjoy. Perfect. So Caleb, um, as we've just said there, technology was against us today, but we got there in the end. Um, but how are things? Are you all safe and well? Yeah, everything everything is good. Uh, technology this early in the morning uh, can be a challenge, but we we persevered and we're here. So looking forward to this chat. Good. So I think this is a really nice opportunity to probably delve into a space that uh, probably I'm quite unfamiliar with and probably a lot of my listeners aren't that necessarily familiar with as well so do you want to kind of give a overview of of who you are and then what you do um and i guess why you do it as well perfect yeah so yeah my name's caleb cousins i'm the ceo and one of the co-founders at adamus esports training and performance and Really, what what we do at Atomus is we provide a traditional model, a traditional sports model of athlete support to esports athletes, and so we support some of the biggest esports teams uh, around the world. And really, our goal is that we fuel the peak performance of the world class gaming organizations. We empower the coaches we work with to lead their teams to optimal performance. And we develop skills and habits to increase the esports athletes' performance and longevity. Um, we came in back in 2018 when there was next to no support for these young men and women who were who were competing in esports, and we just saw a need to give these competitors the tools they needed to succeed, both in their sport but also in life. Um, as as a longtime sports fan and and uh, and a small a athlete myself, I've I've seen the um, the impact that sport and good coaches and um, and competition can have on on young lives and and wanted to uh, have an impact in uh, in gaming and esports. Perfect. So I think the the, the first question is esports what are we talking about as an industry obviously everyone would have heard and seen that it's growing what kind of um yeah what's the what's the size of it what's the magnetism in it in terms of at the top end at your mb uh, 2k tournaments or that type of stuff or your, your fifa online stuff selling out arenas what does that actually look like from a practical perspective yeah so esports is first of all all Esports is basically a catch-all category name. It's like saying sports. And so there are many, many sub-sports under the realm of esports. You've got every major game title has its own esport, by and large. So you've got 
Call of Duty and League of Legends and Valorant and all these very popular games worldwide have their own professional leagues uh, where professionals uh, compete on a on a regular basis. Um, esports is one of the fastest growing sports on the planet, not only from a uh, participation uh, standpoint, but also from an audience and a viewership standpoint. And so um, there's more and more attention um, heading in the esports direction and leaving traditional sports. So you'll especially here in, in North America, you hear all the time about how the major audiences of the NFL and the NHL and the MLB are all getting older and getting smaller, whereas esports is continuing to grow and it's only getting younger because all of the kind of millennial and younger generations are spending a lot more time gaming and watching streamers and and esports competitions than they're watching traditional sports at this point and so um you're you're seeing you're seeing more and more of these these big tournaments in, in the bigger leagues yes fill out fill out stadiums i i know so um the league of legends world championships which happens uh every fall um always happens in um in massive stadiums and so uh, a few years ago, it was in one of the stadiums in uh, in Japan that were used for, or no, I think it was in Korea that was used for the World Cup back in uh, 2022. Um, and and this year, it's in the Chase Center here in, um, or down in San Francisco in the Bay Area, so where the Golden State Warriors play. And so more and more, they're filling out massive stadiums. You have hundreds of thousands if not millions of people watching online and uh, it's a it's a big going concern <laughs> and in terms of um if you're looking at traditional sports if you like i know uh, uh, nba 2k for example have quite a strong link with almost every organization having their own esports team that's affiliated to them so I guess, how do those relationships work? And using maybe 2K as an example, because it's quite a good one, what does that look like from your traditional model? And then what are the similarities and differences then with the esports model? So typically, I actually, I can't speak too um, knowledgeably about NBA 2K specifically, but in esports as a whole, many of the massive esports organizations are owned by owners that own some of the biggest traditional sports franchises in the world as well and and so i can speak to to i think what you're what you're getting at a little bit is there's there's definitely a disconnect still between traditional sport and esports where they're like when it's the same owner but the support being provided for the two different entities is very different and so um and part of that is because Esports is still developing as a as a profession, as an industry. There's still a lot of professionalization needed at all levels. But part of that is because, yeah, for for example, um, Kronke um, Sports and Entertainment, and they own Arsenal FC, they own the LA Rams, they own like a ton of big uh, sports franchises. They also own a number of esports teams. And they their esports teams get some support from a health and performance training, but nothing near to as to as holistic to as intense as the 
support that their their traditional sports teams do. And so there's there's a lot of work to be done. That's part of why we are here doing what we're doing at Atomus is to try to try to set the best practices for this industry and try to show teams the impact that a good performance coach um, can can have on both team performance, but also team culture and, and um, long-term performance. And so, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, for sure it does. I guess this may be a slightly challenging one to ask. I know there will be differences because there is in, in the Premier League or whatever sport you want to go to. But on a financial level, what type of financial rewards are there for individuals at the very top end of of esports? What what are they looking like, um, salary wise or earning wise? Yeah, it's it's looking. It's getting bigger and bigger every year, much like the entire industry itself. Revenues are going up. Um, salaries, player salaries are going up. The the player support is going up slowly and slowly. Um, at the moment, you're looking at um, if you're a professional esports athlete, you're making uh, let's call it a minimum of sixty, seventy thousand dollars us per year and at the at the highest level you're making kind of a couple million a year um and it it spans the gamut in between um that will continue going up again i i'm i'm a big believer that um traditional media and traditional brands have yet to understand the the attention being put on esports right now from a just eyeball and and the demographic of those eyeballs i think when that happens you're going to see a lot more of an exodus of some of that traditional money going from traditional sports into esports which is just going to further um inflate and and increase all kind of player salaries the support for the players the infrastructure in, in the entire industry and I guess well, there's two two questions here. The first one is why do you think this resonates so much with a wider audience, maybe more so than mainstream sport? Why are we seeing people move from uh, younger age groups move across the esports rather than traditional? I think it's a good question, and I I guess before I before I start that, I'll say there there will always be. I think there are certain traditional sports that will always likely be top of the heap. So again, football or soccer for the North Americans watching um, will always be number one, I think. I think um, I think globally it's going to always be hard for, for any single eSport, because remember eSports is a category, each title is its own eSport, and it's going to be hard for any single title to compete with the size of a football. But I think using using North American sports leagues as an example, I think you will start to see a number of sports leagues um, lose um, lose their place in the pecking order to the Call of Duty leagues, to the League of Legends, to the Overwatch leagues um, as, as the industry continues to evolve. Um, remind me of your question again, just... Kind and why? Why does it resonate with people so much? Or why do you think that people will lose? I think at the end of the day, the games are just so fun to play. And so the all the generations who are growing up playing video games 
um, are loving the game. And then it's just like when when I was a kid, I grew up playing soccer. And then eventually I became a soccer, a, a football fan and, and was watching the Premier League and the Champions League and, and that kids are now growing up gaming more than they're necessarily playing traditional sports. And they want to watch the best at what they do on a on a daily basis. And, and so they're watching their favorite streamers on Twitch or they're watching the biggest tournaments um, in the game that they play because that's what they're interested in. So I think it's just it's a change in it's a change in behavior of kind of um, new generations and even my generation. So like I, I play League of Legends um, and League of Legends is probably the biggest esport well definitely the biggest esport in the world and i i will admit that there are there are weekends where instead of throwing on the the premier league game i'm throwing on the the live league of legends uh game instead and so it's just it's where people are putting their time and then and then people want to learn from and and see how the best in the world do it just like um everyone in traditional sport always has and this may be um, completely wrong, so please correct me if it is. Do you think it's more of an attainable goal for some individuals as well? So if you imagine if you've got someone in the middle of nowhere in, in Canada that yeah. you know, plays hockey, but how is he going to ever get seen by an NHL scout? Or yes, he might yeah. have a profile though he's going to be five foot four and they'll go, well, you're never going to be an NBA, yeah. uh, NBA player because of that. Whereas being a gamer it's kind of like well if it's me in my bedroom i can hone this skill enough to potentially have a pathway that could take me down this route and i don't i'm not requiring luck or recruitment from someone else yes i think i think there's definitely an element of there's a lot less or there's there's the potential for a lot less subjectivity as it comes to like how to go pro in esports versus versus traditional sports traditional sports it's a lot more on like network and luck and politics and and there's a lot going into it whereas esports you can always climb the ranked ladder of your game and if you get to a certain rank you're going to get noticed by by the right people in the professional scene that doesn't necessarily mean you'll get a job at pro but you it's much easier i would say to get noticed if you are if you are in that kind of one percent skill level that versus in in traditional sports where you if you're if you're a canadian although it's, this is slowly changing but if you're canadian looking to go into professional football um like you gotta really hope that your your coach here has has great connections overseas, or that you get seen by the right person when you go on tour over over in the UK or something. It, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of luck, and a lot of the stars have to align a lot more. And then nicely onto my next question, which is what makes a good player? What what makes someone be part of that one percent or someone who's at the top category of their game is there a common thread that you can think of that separates and the best from the rest there's there's a number of things and the core the core um the the core idea in the industry right now is that it's the grind culture it's that the the people who play the game the most are going to improve the most in the 
eventually be the best. And you get that at the pro level and, and all the way through. And there's an element of that because one one difference between esports and traditional sports is that in esports, the rules change. Every, well, the sport changes every two weeks or so. And so what I mean by that is like the the game is being updated continuously. And so um, character stats are changing and the map the map that you're playing on is changing and different timers uh, are changing. So it'd be like in in the NBA, uh, changing the shot clock every two, two or three weeks to a different time and the and every team needing to relearn how to play the game in a lot of ways. And so that grind mentality is absolutely necessary in a lot of cases because the game is constantly changing. And so these teams are having to be be able to adapt to it and so being adaptable is one of the things for the individual players themselves pattern recognition is a really key mental skill um to have and mental skills in general it's a very cognitive based sport there's lots of physical mechanics about it too twitch speed in terms of like how like wrist movement and 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 that but it is cognitively driven and so mental skills focus pattern recognition communication skills are really important and so most of these uh esports are team esports and so you're dealing with uh like hundreds of actions per minute happening for a 30 minute to an hour long game and you're having to c communicate almost that fast as well because you need to let your teammates know what's going on in your microcosm of the game itself and so I would say, yeah, as a few examples, it would be pattern recognition, adaptability, communication skills, and then the the commitment to to hone your craft in game and just play the game as much as you can and, and understand all of the different variables and, and changing aspects of it. Yeah, I think we'll get into the the skill side of it later because it'll be interesting to see the work that individuals do to try and improve that if they can. Um, I guess the, the framing of that before is what does a, a professional player's week look like? So in terms of them actually sitting down physically playing the game that they're obviously a pro in or part of a team in, what does a working week for, a, for an average professional esports player look like? Typically, um, a lot of these teams and, and athletes will wake up around 10, 10 a.m. Um, and then their practice will start, let's say at 1 p.m. And so between 10 and 1, sometimes you'll have, well, you'll have a team breakfast. You'll have, um, you'll have different content asks that might be had. So content is a big part of this industry, like it is more and more in traditional sports as well. So they'll be doing filming and, and different kind of things for their content team. Then come, come 1 o'clock. Uh, basically, you're looking at a six to eight hour scrim block and scrim the scrimmage. So it's like the practice session. And so for the next, yeah, six to eight hours, they are playing um, competitive practice practice matches against their 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 competitive teams in their league. And so again, that's part of the part of the reality and, and difference between esports and traditional sports right now too is squads are squads are bare minimum you don't have many subs in esports 
Um, and, you, and so you don't have enough to do an inter-squad game most of the time. And so practice typically happens against the teams you play against in your actual competitive matches every week as well. So that's a little bit of a, of a strange reality, but it is the reality right now. And so for six to eight hours, uh, they're playing, they're playing matches. They're reviewing VODs uh, after those matches to discuss what they could improve, strategy, that kind of thing. And then after after the hour session, so you're talking seven or eight p.m. at night. That's where um, they'll op- often grab a quick dinner, and then most of the players will go back to their to their personal setups and jump on their their PC or their console and and play solo queue. And solo queue is basically um, they jump on and play ranked. Um, competitive play by themselves to continue honing their craft and that can happen for another four to six hours a day and then and then they they hit the sack and then uh, they wake up and do it all over again uh, the next morning and that happens typically six days a week um, throughout the season and and then in the off season they they're typically going and they're solo queuing um, for, again, six to twelve hours a day uh, to make sure that they're staying on top and uh, to prepare for for the next season. So it is very much a grind, and much more a grind, I would say, than than any traditional sport in a lot of ways. Because traditional sport, you're playing your sport maybe for an hour or two, maybe maybe three a day. You're you're on field, then maybe you're doing a bit of gym and 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 mental work, but like you're your work day is the work day in traditional sport is I would argue a lot shorter and probably easier in a lot of ways, especially from a cognitive perspective than, than what esports athletes go through. And in terms of a team setup, um, obviously you'll have a team manager, I'd imagine, or a coach that kind of, um, well, I guess picks the players, but how does that, how does that work in terms of, creating a team and do do people kind of have defined roles within the team of what they got to do depending on the game you're playing so if you had call of duty for example would you create a team of of someone or a couple of people maybe a very good snipers on a particular map then people that you know are good at flanking someone who's maybe particularly good at going down the middle with with particular types of weapon is there strategy within that and how does a team manager create those type of teams um so then maybe have strategy towards success yeah so in every game there are there are specific roles um or positions that that are being played and so teams are built on the back of the needs that that exist and so filling a specific role and and finding that skill set um oftentimes in esports rosters are built based on player existing player relationships more than anything else Um, talent id and scouting is still very much in early stages in these in in esports in terms of what what teams are know to look for in in kind of their next talent for their team and so it's often just based on what some of their existing players what relationships they have who they can kind of attract to their team and then making that happen contractually um yeah and in terms of um 
from a strategy point of view, how do they then come around strategizing the game for a particular map or a particular scenario or a particular opponent, dependent on um, their strengths or weaknesses, etc.? Yeah, and so that's uh, that's part of that's the role of the whole team. Typically, that that happens in the VOD reviews. Um, it's obviously led by by the coaches and the analysts uh, of every team. Um, but they will prepare for the next team they're playing. They'll review VOD of what they do, their their opponents' particular strategies, and then they will, in their scrimmages in and in their in their strategy sessions, then discuss kind of each individual's role in order to then beat their opponents. And so it's it's very much it's it's led by the coach and the analyst, but it's it's very much a team driven um process, I would say. And so I just think VOD I'm assuming is the video footage of the video on demand. Yeah. So it's it's the video footage of previous games that they can review. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then within the within the uh, teams is there kind of a hierarchy of players so have you got kind of your nfl drafts on my mind at the minute so i'm going to go down that route but do you have kind of your high draft pick for the ones that there's expectations on to perform high profile roles and then maybe some tertiary players in and around that or is it very equitable in terms of how people play no, it's it's a lot like traditional sports in that way. Most teams have like their star player or one or two star players. Um, oftentimes they'll be like they'll have a young prodigy who's like the next big star, and it's it's it varies from esport to esport um, and from title to title, but it's very personality driven and and because content plays such a big role in a lot of these teams' revenue and business the the bigger the personality the the more importance they have in the overall structure of the business as well and so it creates interesting dynamics from team to team but yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely part of the part of the mix <laughs> sounds like i might need to come into the uh talent id for esports that might be an <laughs> interesting transition for me to make rather than traditional football it's uh honestly it's it's in i mean the entire industry the more the more great minds from from other industries that come in the the stronger we we will be i mean you we've seen such a a brain drain from technology from traditional sport from business to come into esports as kind of the one of the big trending um industries of the last 5 or so years and and I think the industry has made leaps and bounds and, and progressed by like light years ahead of where we would have been because of that. But always looking for uh, for more talent to to just, again, build build the right foundation. And that's part of why the team I've built and like some of some really great people from traditional sports have come over to Atomus because we've got the chance to impact and to build a foundation and learn from traditional sports and hopefully not make a lot of the same mistakes that we that traditional sports have made and build a new sport and build it in in a way that we think um will be sustainable and healthy for the young athletes going through it and and will last so that our kids and their kids when they're maybe looking at esports as a potential career rather than 
football or hockey or or what have you um it's a it's an industry that we can we can very happily allow them to pursue <laughs> as parents yeah, that, makes, that makes complete sense i think that leads us nicely on to what is the role of your company so obviously we've mentioned a lot of there around the teams and the teams that play specific titles or specific games obviously you mentioned that you kind of partner with a lot of these teams or support a lot of these teams so what for you as a company do you actually do and what can you provide and, and what support do these um, individuals actually need yeah so we we provide performance coaching to professional esports teams around the world and really we support the the partner teams we work with at three levels so we work with them at the highest level, the organizational level. We work with organizational leadership to put the right culture and team values and like performance excellence behaviors in place to build the foundation for performance both now but into the into the future. Then we work with coaches. Coaching in esports is an is an interested in an interesting state right now where Coaches are hired on the back of their in-game sport knowledge, um, but not necessarily on the back of their leadership skills or communication skills. And so they are great. They understand the technical, tactical aspect of what they do, like often better than anyone, but they they really need to be leveled up um, on the coaching side of things and on the leadership side of things. And so we are working with 30 or 40 coaches um, over the last year or so in, in professional esports to just mentor them and give them the skills and the support to be able to do their jobs more effectively and to um, to hopefully have their job um, for as long a time as possible. And so supporting coaches is a big part of what we do. And then kind of the third layer of it is working with the athletes. And so really we, we meet these at our, the coaches on my team um, are some of the best coaches that I've ever worked with in traditional sports or, or otherwise. And, and they meet these men and women where they're at um, in their career, um, in the game itself and, and help them overcome challenges, whether that be physical challenges, mental challenges, whether it's more just, they need someone to talk to and vent to and, and like figure out, like we've had situations where young players will move across the world for a job and and we will we will be there to support that young person to acclimatize to a new culture and to like find the right community to put themselves in and so it's really it's really just supporting these athletes to help them be able to perform when it matters um in their competition and not let kind of the outside um competition stuff affect their in-game performance so this this question is going to be too pronged i guess um from watching that documentary and and i guess from my own perception i'd imagine that there's quite a physical toll that this is going to take in terms of people sitting at screens or computer screens or whatever for prolonged periods but also you mentioned cognitively that it's quite tiring you have to process a lot of information very quickly um, and act upon it. What type of demands is being put on individuals, I guess, in a physical perspective and in a cognitive perspective? And how do you support them in both of those areas in particular? Yeah. So on the physical side, they are sitting 
in front of their computer screens for 12 to 16 hours a day. And so with that comes a ton of overuse injuries, a ton of just discomfort and pain that these players, these athletes are experiencing. And, and so physical therapy is, is a key aspect to just like treat, but also hopefully prevent, um, prevent injury, keeping these players mobile. And so mobility work, um, yoga, that kind of thing is, is super important. Is there any particular common injuries that people pick up that you go, yeah? I mean, it's typically, yeah, it's typically upper extremity. It's wrist, elbow, um, back, both upper and lower, neck. Um, those would be the those would be the the easy ones, <laughs> the obvious ones. Um, and so, on the physical side, that that I would say would be, I mean, I. Eye health is another one because they're staring at the screen for for so long. Like sports optometry and like making sure that their their eyes uh, have enough rest on on a regular basis and and blue light and making sure that that's often optimized for them. Like there's there's a lot on the op, on the optometry side of things as well. But on to your point on the mental side, this being a cognitively driven sport. You, I mean, burnout is a huge problem in this industry because you're playing six, 16 hours a day, six days a week. Well, honestly, seven days a week because on their days off, that's all they're doing as well. They're jumping on the game and playing. Um, burnout, both physically and mentally, is a big one. And so part of what, part of where I think the industry will be going, and it's still going to take a while, but the concept of periodization in esports um, isn't really a thing yet. And so just training smarter and not harder and figuring out what that means for esports, because again, esports has different needs than traditional sports because this, the rules and the game changes so often. And so you have to play way more than you would a traditional sport. But I do think that there's a better balance to be struck. And, and if, if they're, and more and more teams are doing this, but if they're getting proper physical exercise, if they're getting enough sleep, if they're eating the proper things, that's all going to have an impact on reducing burnout and also just optimizing the training environment and the training schedules of these athletes, I think will will do will be the next step after after the lifestyle piece gets sorted. Um on the mental side, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of times, it's these players just need someone to talk to. Um, they again, they they will be brought in from across the country, across the world. They're coming into a new environment. They are professionals, having never been professional in anything before, and coming from a sport that doesn't have a structured amateur scene. And so there isn't a youth system to come up in in esports really at the moment. There isn't there isn't a path to pro a clear path. To pro that exists and so these these kids at the end of the day just need need a coach to help guide them through their life a little bit at, at the stage that they're at and that's that's part of what we do and then we also train a lot of the core mental skills and so like um like i mentioned before like whether that be focus or self-talk or like teaching them about goal setting and like um 
there's there's so much low hanging fruit there and and mental skills sports psychology is definitely a space where where we where we focus because that's where that's where these athletes i think need or need the most help in order to perform at their best um throughout throughout a long season but it's it's really listening to the players hearing where they're at and what their challenges are and then helping them address those challenges and so being good listeners and and then giving them the tools to to get better uh, whether that's physical ailments mental um or it's just performance based or life based we're just we're here to be to be to have an impact on every individual's life that we work with as well as the broader industry as a whole and in terms of you mentioned kind of the focus perspective so you can use that as an example i think that'd be quite a nice one so obviously for someone to try and focus for eight hours is not an impossible it's not going to happen so if you're looking at i said i'd imagine i could be wrong that you're trying to get them to learn when to switch on and switch off so between rounds maybe taking a break or yes. how to disengage and then the ability to switch back on again when you're playing for periods and understanding maybe moments of low in the game where you can ease off and maybe high stress moments when you need to step forward etc how do you go around one helping players identify that in the game and then two how do you go help uh, how do you help them train that as well yeah and so part of it is we don't we don't touch any kind of the tech we don't touch the tech tack uh technical tactical aspects of the game and so we leave that to their to their in-game coaches but we give them the tools mental skills and otherwise that they can then implement within the the settings that that they have and and again because because so little has been done in the industry to date like the lowest hanging fruit is okay like getting the right warm-up in before you sit down to game is going to kind of get your mind warmed up and, and your brain going and get you into a flow state faster um in between games to your point is like what are we doing are we just sitting there like randomly like keeping keeping your wrist warm by doing diff different kind of games in between the game you, that you're playing or are you getting up and and moving around or like just getting away from the screen for two minutes when you're when you're waiting and so it's starting at that very very basic level and giving them the 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 low hanging fruit tools and and suggestions that they can that they can add into their life without actually impacting how much they're playing their game or and whatnot and and then after they've mastered that core kind of first level it will be layering on the next level of complexity and layering it on but we are at least at Atomus, we are not interested in in trying to foster massive behavior change in a short amount of time because that's not going to work. These kids have their entire lives been told that, hey, whether it's by traditional media or by their parents, that hey, like get outside, like go 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 be kids, go play sports, and and they don't need us telling them that they've already kind of heard that their entire lives and and what they need is they need they need to know that there are certain things they can do that are pretty easy to do that will have performance um implications to their game because that's what they care about they care about getting better at their game and as as long as you can tie back some of these kind of small 
behavior changes back to performance, we typically see a lot more um, interest in them than if you're just saying, hey, like, get out of your mom's basement, stop drinking Red Bull, eating Cheetos, like just all the gamer stereotypes you hear of all the time. It's like, no, we're, you are athletes and we will, we will step by step help you look more and more like athletes and what you do on a daily basis. And so in terms of um, maybe trying to develop skills or develop capacity, is there any particular training programs you guys use around this? So like if we look at the the eyesight one, for example, um, is there a particular vision center which allows you to be able to access more of a screen or react quicker to screens, which then obviously provides you with feedback? um or from a physical perspective you mentioned in terms of uh, fast twitch being around hands and wrists and elbows etc so is there any particular strategies or methodologies that you encourage them to train in order to try and be quicker and be quicker on the, the buttons etc are those two things that you actually work on in a practical setting honestly yes and no and so again because of where the industry is at like that i feel like is a couple layers deeper than where the than what the industry is ready for like the fact that these teams aren't just doing a decent or a lot of these teams aren't doing a physical warm-up like before they sit down or like they're just not doing any physical exercise on a daily basis period like there's there's so much education and 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 tools needed to be given to these athletes before you get to that more specific skill training side of things and also it like a lot of a lot of research still needs to be done in gaming and esports and cognitive uh, performance i would say so that we can show these teams and these athletes that yes this training protocol does increase in game performance because at the moment we can we can make assumptions and make claims based on what we know from traditional sport and i and i would venture to guess that a lot of them are actually true claims but if if extrapolated over to to esports but without the research um esports competitors just are, are not really interested in even having the conversation because it's like I'm not a traditional sport athlete. They they very much know that and and they they don't want to be necessarily even treated like a traditional sport athlete. And so until we've until there's more research out there in terms of okay, what moves the dial in terms of performance training? Um it's going to be hard to convince anyone of doing some sort of funny plyometric or whatever because this is going to help your wrist strength which is going to give you more longevity in your career. And so there's a lot of things happening at the same time. Um, and, and in parallel, you've got research happening. You've got groups like ours doing the actual performance training. And we're, we're involved in a lot of the research as well. Um, and it's all going to eventually hit a critical point where we can start using one to feed off the other. Whereas at the moment, they're both kind of trying to get to a bare minimum baseline and then and then proceed from there if that makes sense yeah no absolutely absolutely does and i guess um my next question is where do you see this going so obviously you're kind of at the infancy of 
this type of support being in in place and trying to, I guess, culturally affect some of the teams you're working with to say, well, have you thought about this or have yeah. you thought about that? In in the medium to long term, um, with the current trajectory that this supports on, where do you see this ending up with with athletes in this area? I mean, I think the traditional sport model um, is is closer to where I think this is headed. I think I think there is, um, I think in the next ten years, you're going to have all of the biggest teams will have a performance staff. Um, whereas at the moment, every team pretty much has one performance person, a performance coach who's kind of supposed to be a jack of all trades, um, which is completely unfair to the performance coach um, and just not super effective um, in, in the team environment either. And so I think I think you'll have teams who have their physio, who have their mental skills trainer, who has their um, personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach, uh, whatever you want to call it. And that that integrated um, approach to health and performance, I think, will just be the the gold standard. Um, and as as the economics of the industry continue to grow and revenues continue to grow, teams will have the budgets to be able to actually do that. Because at the moment, they just don't necessarily have, or they're not willing to allocate the budgets that they have to performance coaching no that makes complete sense so i guess the last question for me on this which is who is the the most impressive individual you've worked with in this space and why so that could be either a gamer in terms of someone that you think is just outstanding in the application of a game or someone who is in around it as a coach or a mentor for these these individuals who's just phenomenal at their job and why that's a that's a tough question to answer just because I'm not the one coaching these athletes. And so um it's hard it's hard for me to pick one. But what I would say is that there are there are very forward thinking um organizations who are already trying to provide their athletes with more support than is the standard in the industry right now. And we're working with a number of them. And so and it's funny, back to the the link between traditional sport and and esports, and so one of our partners is uh, the Golden Guardians of um, of uh, the League of Legends uh, LCS. So it's the North American League of Legends League, and the Golden Guardians are um, are owned by the Golden State Warriors uh, of the NBA, and and so the there's a level of understanding within the organization as a whole of of the support needed to to provide their their esports athletes and 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 even the staff that they've hired from from their GM Danan to to their coaching staff Sam and and Nick and and others they are they get this stuff already and so we're working with them to to provide even more capacity and more support for their coaches and for their athletes but there are teams who who are who are providing the the roadmap and the template and kind of pioneering blazing a trail i guess for i think what all kind of all esports teams will be doing in the future and they still have a ways to go as well but it's um i'll I'll shout out uh, the golden guardians <laughs> 
Perfect. Now, listen, Kayla, I think a really fascinating discussion in terms of um, where obviously esports is at and, and some of the comparisons and parallels between um, traditional sports and, and the, the esports world, and also maybe some considerations in terms of things that we could do, be, be doing better or equally that you guys could be doing better. So, really appreciate your time and uh, hopefully catch up with you again soon. Yeah, looking forward to having an update chat here in, in a year or so and seeing where esports has come and, and what else we've learned. <laughs> Perfect. Catch you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Sports Initiative podcast with me, Michael Wright. Please remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at the Sports Initiative podcast and share this podcast with friends and family. I'll see you next week.